Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we wrap up our series, Our House. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, and once again, happy Mother's Day. And I'll tell you what, just turn to a lady near you and just, if there's a lady near you, just say, thanks for being so awesome, all right? And if it's your mom or your kid's mom, you can give them a hug. If it's a complete stranger, you can negotiate what you want to do, all right? There you go. At a, uh, at a very young age, I learned um, that I wasn't just a part of a biological family, that I was actually a part of God's family, uh, there, there was a family in my home church, uh, the Deer Creek Christian Church, who would, they would actually take in foster children into their home, and since they were part of our church family, every week they'd bring those kids to church with them. And one of them was a little baby girl who was a Native American, and just cute as she could be, and um, I think we have a picture there, absolutely, and the reason I remember this little girl is because it was around Christmas time, and I think I was probably about seven, my brother John was about five, and my parents came to both of us and said, hey, um, we already have two boys in the family, and we're thinking about adding a little girl. Sounded fine. Uh, but my parents went on to explain, they said, now, if we add another kid, that would mean some sacrifices for all of us. And that might mean, like, for example, at Christmas time, you might not get as many presents as normal. Well, now we both weren't so sure. <laughs> well, my mom and dad didn't take a vote, and we went ahead, and we, they actually adopted, adopted a little girl, which is my sister, Debbie. And uh, my dad likes to tell the story this way, and he'll probably do it this afternoon. Something like this is there was this cute little dark-haired girl, brown-eyed little girl in the church nursery, and every Sunday, my dad was the pastor of the church, every Sunday I'd go past the nursery, and I just fell in love with her. And since she didn't have a home, I, wanted to, I decided we should adopt her into ours. And then he'll add this part. He'll say, he'll point to John and I, and he'll say, see these two over here? I got stuck with those two. <laughs> and then he'll point to her and say, but that one I picked out. <laughs> and uh, so at a very early age, I did. I learned that, you know what? I'm not just part of a biological family. But actually, I'm, it's bigger than that. I'm a part of God's family. And actually, I got to relearn this lesson again recently. My sister, Debbie, and many of you know Debbie. Debbie's a part of Community Christian. She's also a part of the Yellow Box here. Um, she adopted this little guy just this year. Is that a handsome little dude or what, Mateo? Absolutely. And, um, and this is her very first Mother's Day. So how about that for Debbie? All right. Um, today's, today's the last week in our series, Our House. And what we've been doing during this series, Our House, we've been imagining kind of different rooms, and each of those rooms represent a different type of relationship. And so today, what I want you to do is I want to escort you, and I want us to go into the, the dining room. Are you all in the dining room with me now? Are you in there? So, and here in the dining room, this is the place where we practice hospitality. This is the place where we invite people to the table. Some of them are family, and other people there, we invite them to the dining rooms of our life who are just like family. And as we're talking together, some things I want you to think about is this. Who is it that you invite into the dining room of your life? Who is it in your life that's family or just like family? But in particular, I hope you'll even kind of take out of a prayerful mindset because what I want you to do is I want you to reflectfully kind of think about these two things. Who is God now asking me to invite into the dining room of my life? 
And who does God want me to begin to treat just like family? Now, typically when we think about family, we, also th- we usually think of the nuclear family, right? We think of a mom, we think of a dad, we think of 2.4 kids, maybe a cat and a dog, right? That's family. But when we discover, when we make the decision to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, well, when you become a follower of mine, I'm going to broaden your understanding of the definition of family. There's a guy named Stanley Auerbach, who's a, a, a brilliant theologian at Duke University, and he, he explains it this way. He says this, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be made a part of a new community, which is the church, in which the family is now reconstituted, it's rethought, it's broadened our understanding, okay? You're ready to broaden your understanding of family. We are all children, but now a community has been established in which we are all called to be parents, brothers and sisters, two and four one another. How awesome is that? What I want you to imagine is this. Imagine just for a moment all the people sitting around you. Go ahead and t- take, a look, t- take a look to your right and also to t- look to your left. Go ahead and take a look, okay? There's some good looking folks there. There you go. Yes. There it is. And what I want you to imagine is that every person here, some of them you know, some of them you don't know, some of you don't know anything about them, but imagine everybody around you, everybody here is like family. Not a dysfunctional family, but like a real family. And if you can kind of begin to grasp what that would be like to walk in and feel like, wow, this is my family. That's what God's dream is for us. And I think what God wants to do, he wants to move all of us towards that, to transform our hearts to a place where we really begin to feel like brothers and sisters, and this begins to feel like family. And I think oftentimes, the place where this dream begins to take shape is in the dining room of our lives. Because in the dining room of our lives, we extend hospitality, and it's hospitality that turns strangers into family. This word hospitality, this word hospitality um, in, in, in the New Testament actually means, that means the love of stranger. In the Old Testament, this, this idea of hospitality, the, the second uh, most frequent command, command number one, the most frequent command is to worship the one and only God. The second most frequent command, welcome strangers into your life. And what hospitality is, is actually the welcoming of a stranger into the family. It's bringing strangers into family. Now, I think we have to understand that family is exactly, exactly how God sees us. For example, let's say, um, let's say uh, tonight. Tonight, the yellow box, it burns to the ground. It burns to the ground. It would be a totally inaccurate theological statement for you to turn to someone else and say, we don't have a church anymore. Because we do have a church. We could even gather in the parking lot. And if all of us gather in the parking lot, that would, that's where the church is. The church is the people. The church is not an event. The church is not in a building. The church is the family of God where no one feels out of place and no one gets left out. That kind of family. Now, this was so core to the, the kind of the corporate identity of the first church. And so core to the identity of every person in the church that the apostle Paul wrote this book called Ephesians to a group in Ephesus. said, let me explain this to you. I want you to really get this. And he explains it by saying, here's who you were. And then he goes a little further and says, now here's who you are. We're going to look at the past and who you were. And I want to look ahead. Here's who you are now. And he begins with who you were. And he says this, here's who you were. And he adds this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. What? Aliens? What on earth is Paul talking about? Well, don't worry. Paul's not saying that we were transported via you know, UFO with E.T. and his pals or something like that. What he means by this, strangers and aliens, and other translations just says foreigners, it means you once were like cultural 
outsiders. It's the idea that you once were in a place where you, you really didn't belong. And you felt like a, a, you were like a foreigner who weren't, you weren't a part of that, that country, that land. Um, I remember the first time I traveled to the South Korea. It was my very first time in the East. And it was. It was very, very, very different. I remember the, the first time I was in Africa. I went to Rwanda. When I was in Rwanda, um, they, lo- they lost my luggage in the Kilgali airport somewhere. And every day for five days, I'd drive from the place where we were staying outside of Kilgali back to Kilgali. And I was trying to get my luggage. And I didn't know the language, right? I didn't know the customs. I couldn't communicate with people. And the whole thing was a very kind of disorienting, uncomfortable experience. And the idea of being an outsider can be prof- profoundly lonely. And what Paul is saying here, there once was a time when all of us were spiritual foreigners, spiritually far from God. We were like spiritually homeless. He's saying, that's who you were. But now let's talk about who we are. And he adds this, here's who we are. He says, constantly you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but now you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. And there's two really important images that Paul gives them. And it's important that we get this both together and also individually. And the two images of this, he says, you're fellow citizens with God's people and you're also members of God's households. Two very important images. So we begin with this first one, that you're actually fellow citizens with God's people. Um, a few months ago, I told you about a, a trip that I took with New Thing. We do, we do church planning, of course, nationally and internationally, and it's called the New Thing Network. And so I got, took a trip to, to Demo, India, uh, Demo, um, I think I kind of convey this. I mean, it's about as remote a place as I've ever been in my whole life. Um, how many have ever been to Piatone, Illinois? Okay, it's kind of like that. Um, no, I'm kidding. That's bad. Um, Demo, get to Demo. We had to fly to Amsterdam, and from Amsterdam, we, we then flew to New Delhi, and then from New Delhi, there's like another two-hour flight to a place called Jalbapur, and then from Jalbapur, we had a two and a half-hour bus drive. And no kidding, I think I shared some of the video on this. On the way to Demo, we went through a troop of monkeys, and then on the way back home from Demo, we went past a herd of camels. I mean, not like a zoo or anything; they're just like on the road, just there. Um, I have never been a place that was more different. Uh, from Naperville than Demo, India. And I, I had a great time. Awesome people. But I'll tell you what, there was something about when I got back home, right? I got back to O'Hare, it was just kind of great to be back on American soil. It, it was nice to be able to read the signs. It was nice to know what, understand what each other's saying. It was nice to know where I could get a hamburger, that kind of stuff. Well, here's what Paul's saying. Now that you become followers of Jesus, all of us are on home soil. We're no longer foreigners. We are now, all of us, no matter where we come from, we're all citizens of God's kingdom. And that's the first powerful image there. We're all citizens. We're all in. But then he adds a second image. And the second image is is this. He says, you're also members of God's household. So what he does, he moves from kind of a geographical metaphor to a more familial one. And what he says here is, God isn't just the king over a country. But he's also a father at our dining room table. He's not just a king over a country, but he's like a father at a dining room table. And what Paul's trying to explain is there's something very intimate in this kind of familial language that he's using. He's saying, we're family. And as a part of a family, every one of us here, you know what we do? We share each other's space. 
We share each other's things. We, we struggle together. We work together. We let people into our real life because it's unavoidable because we're family. We're brothers and sisters. So we know each other, who we really are, both the good and the bad. And one of the things that we do is we also, like all families do, we eat together. Let's, let's land here just for a little bit because I really want you to get this. What does it mean for us to be family, to be a part of, as it says, our God's household? Well, first, first of all, it means this. It means that we are adopted by God. We come from a lot of different places around the world, okay? And increasingly, communities are becoming more and more diverse, and I'm very excited about that. We come from a lot of different backgrounds. We, get, we come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, a lot of different likes and dislikes, but you know what? All of us are adopted into God's family. Earlier in that same book, Ephesians, the chapter four and chapter one, look, look what Paul says. He says, what God did is he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love this last sentence. I, I hope in this last sentence, maybe this may be the most important thing for some of you to get, that this sinks really deep into your heart because this is God speaking to you, okay, about you being adopted into his family. This is what he wanted to do. And you know what? It gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. Kind of like my dad, when my dad said about my sister, oh, and I picked her out, guess what? He looked at you and he said, and I picked you out. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And he looked at you and he said, I picked you out. I picked you out. And you're here and you're a part of my family because I picked you out. Dave, I got stuck with, but I picked you out. <laughs> all right? That's what he's saying. Everyone, no, he said that all of I picked you out and it's my great pleasure. Here at Community, we have kind of a saying. We say, you belong before you believe. You know what that means? That means that even before you ever believe, you're already accepted here by us and by God. And now you just have to decide, because like God's already done all the paperwork for the adoption, right? And you just have to decide, do I want to be a part of his family? And for those who decide to put our trust in Jesus and become followers of his, we know that it's God's love, God's grace that makes this adoption into his family possible. And his family, this family is global. This family is beautiful. This family at times is messy. This family is wonderfully diverse. And that's exactly how God's family is. We are adopted into that family. He picked us out. And the second thing we need to understand is this then, that we are related by love. Not by blood this time. Something more powerful than even blood. We are related by love. Love is like, it's like, it's the foundation of this house. It's the two by fours in the walls of this house. It's, it's the walls and the ceiling of this house. It's, it's every fiber, every atom in this house that holds it together is love. John was a guy who spent time, about three, three plus years with Jesus and, and, and he writes, he gets this. He says, dear friends, understand how we're related. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. God is, say that, say that word out there with me. What does it say? God is what? God is love, right? And he goes on, and he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and their sisters. Love the family. I mean, oh, seven times, he, he, he just can't stop saying it. Love, 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 love. We're related by love. And we're not talking about kind of a Hollywood love that kind of comes and goes. We're talking about love that chooses over and over again to sacrifice for one another. That's the kind of love that Jesus had for us, right? 
He gave for us. He chose to. He sacrificed for us. He chose to. He went to the cross for us. He chose to. And so then as followers of his, what we do in this family is we choose to give to one another. We choose to sacrifice for one another. We choose to take up our cross for the sake of each other. In God's household, here's the thing. You know what? More powerful than than blood, we are related by love. And if we get that, we're adopted by God, we're related by love. Here's something else we gotta get. Here's a third thing. We stick together forever. God's intention when he brought together the church would be this family that comes together because we're adopted by him, we're related by love, but it will get us through anything. And I don't have to tell you that life is hard. Some of you know it far better than I do, how hard it can be. And we need people who, who are gonna be there when we're down and people who are there who celebrate when we're winning. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a community of folks who are gonna get you through a heartbreak, I'm telling you, God's family's the place. If you're looking for a community that's gonna get you through a bankruptcy, I'm telling you, God's family's the place. You're looking for a community of people, a family that's gonna get you through a sickness, God's family can get you through it. You're going through a divorce, I'm telling you, God's family will get you through. You're facing death or you're going through or someone close to you and you don't know how you're gonna go on. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over again. We will get you through it. That's what God meant when he says we're family. Adopted by God, related by love, but we stick together literally forever. It can be one of the hardest parts, but it's exactly what family does. So we were, okay? That's what Paul's saying. Hey, you were, you were foreigners and strangers. There's one time you were like spiritually homeless. But now, you're family. You're part of God's household. And one of the things that family does, okay, is we spend time in the dining room. And in the dining room, that's where we practice hospitality. And hospitality is this process where strangers, other strangers who once were foreigners, become family. Let me talk about this practice of hospitality that's so core to what it means to be God's family. Uh, the practice of hospitality, I, I'm an extrovert and I do like people, but I'll tell you what, I'm not great at this hospitality thing. Um, there's specifically, there are like times when I, if I'm working really hard or if I've been traveling and I'll come home and, and Sue, my wife, she'll, she'll tell you, I'll say this to her, I'll, I'll come home and I'll say, I like my house, I like my family and I like my wife. And I mean the nuclear family. And I'm not even sure about all of them, right? (laughs) And I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't want anybody else around right now. And and Sue's been challenging me on this. And along with um, a number of other families here on our church to really kind of grow in this area of hospitality. And and one of the things that we began to grow into as as a church family is through a partnership with a group called Safe Families, which is a remarkable way of extending biblical hospitality. So I'll tell you what, since I'm not so great at this, I'm gonna ask uh, an amazing mom, my wife, Sue, to come up here and share with you kind of about this new partnership that she's championing. And I would love for you to kind of lean in and listen to this and maybe there's something that God has for you. So let's welcome Sue, all right? Good morning, thank you. I have loved, loved, loved being a mom to the three wonderful kids that God has blessed me with. It has been by far my favorite job ever. But as much as I have loved being a mom 
And as awesome as my kids are, there were times when I needed backup or a break. And fortunately for me, I have had very supportive extended family and friends that have been there to help me in times of illness or during a challenging season of life. But that is not the case for everyone. There are families and single parents in our communities that don't have anyone to turn to when illness or tragedy or challenging circumstances hit them. And that's when those families can turn to safe families. We have a brief uh, overview video to show you, give you a little bit more information about safe families. So watch this, please. Hi, my name is Emma Johnson, and I direct a local chapter of Safe Families for Children. Safe Families for Children is an organization that allows parents who are in crisis the opportunity to choose to place their child in the home of a safe family, giving themselves time and resources to get back on their feet. Crisis for our parents can look like homelessness, hospitalization, loss of a job, recovery for addiction, or anything that would cause a parent to not be able to properly care for their child. I had an unfortunate situation where I ended up in the hospital for months and I just didn't have anybody just to call. What do you do in a situation like that? We give hope to these families by providing them with a network of support. Our host families are recruited through Christian churches. They are processed and trained, but they are not paid. Ultimately, our goal is to return the church to the forefront of caring for the weak and the fatherless. We believe this work is close to the heart of Jesus and over time can change the face of the child welfare system as we know it. Safe Families is a national organization started in 2003 that has now been implemented in 30 states and nearly 100 sites. Safe Families is an awesome organization, and we have several families here at Community that have been Safe Family hosts or family friends for several years now. Amanda Vanderplum and her husband, Mike, have uh, been a part of our Yellow Box family, and they consider Safe Families to be extended family. And Amanda shared this. She said, I knew if my sister was in crisis, I would take in my niece and nephew in a heartbeat. So why not extend, extend that same love to others who have no available family? At different times over the past 17 months, we have hosted eight children and teens from four different families from 2 to 19 years old. I have learned to expect the unexpected, rely on God more than I thought possible, and trust that I am not in control. He is. I have had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with young kids. I've had deep spiritual conversations with a struggling teen. I've prayed for and been prayed for by the placing family. I have laughed, cried, prayed for, and celebrated with kids and their families. I have learned that despite being unable to predict what the outcome will be, I can do my best to be faithful to God's call to care for the least of these. But I know... Well, people often say that we are such a blessing to these kids, but I know I have been blessed by these children in more ways than I could ever have imagined, and I am so grateful we took the step and took the chance to become a safe family. 
We have an information table about safe families out in the lobby. I will be out there after the service. Love to give you more information. We'd also love to have you join us at our informational lunch here next Sunday or the lunch at our Plainfield location on June 4th. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. So as a part of God's family, we once were strangers, right, and aliens. Now we are family. And one of the things we do as a part of God's family is we do the thing that God did. We practice hospitality. And what's hospitality? Hospitality is the practice that turns strangers into family. Help me out. What does hospitality do? It turns into that's exactly right. Let me give you just a few takeaways, okay, before, as we wrap things up here. How can we practice hospitality with one another? First of all, here's what you can do. Be aware of outsiders. All right? Hospitality is just being aware every day of how we interact with people, whether it's at school or it's at work, even here at church or in our communities, that there are people who, are, who feel like they're on the outside looking in. And hospitality starts by allowing ourselves to be interrupted and inconvenienced. And it begins with this intentional decision that I am going to notice people. I am going to notice people, particularly people that, feel, that look like and they feel like they're on the outside looking in. Here's the second takeaway. The second takeaway is be real yourself. Hospitality is all about being real. Um, I, th- I think one of the things that we have, especially because we're on our, our, all our social media platforms, is this idea that we have to kind of we have a personal brand that we have to portray, which is you know the smarter and the richer, the more talented we are, the more we're going to be attractive. Um, this simply isn't true. This, this is a lie. I, I think as, as followers of Jesus, one, of the th- one thing that we have to get is we already have grace. So we don't have to pretend to be perfect or pretend to be something we're not. Uh, we, we don't have to have spotless floors and perfect meals. We can invite, invite others in and let them see who we really are. And I am telling you, vulnerability and authenticity are perhaps the most attractive things to other people vulnerability and authenticity. We just need to be real ourselves. Beware of outsiders, be real yourself, but then finally be inclusive of all. I want you to begin to think about this, okay? Who are the people that are different than you that feel like they're on the outside looking in? Maybe from a different, different socioeconomic strata. Maybe different race. Maybe, maybe, maybe even different beliefs or, or a different kind of lifestyle. How do we begin to include those people? See, hospitality is this practice that turns strangers into family. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that hit me, long before the church, I mean, I'm talking about the church historically, had stages and, you know, nice lighting and LED walls, all that kind of stuff. You know what the primary tool of the church was? The dining room table. That was the primary tool of the church historically. That you just invite people over for meals. You include them in your, you include them in your lives. You know, and, 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 it, this is what's, and, and this is what kind of worries me about the way, you know, kind of sometimes church happens in the 20th century. Because the truth is, I mean, almost none of us in this room that I know of can sing like Lucas and Evelyn. Anybody here better than Lucas and Evelyn? If not, we'll get you up here next week, okay? <laughs> and how about Ian? I mean, Ian, like he takes 10 minutes announcements and it's like a stand-up bit. That was awesome this morning, right? I mean, the guy has a gift for communicating. And we have other people that are really exceptional leaders, too, all across this place. And, and some of us kind of feel like, well, I don't know if I have anything to offer. Guess what? Let me just say this to you. Do you have a dining room table? Or let me just ask you this. Do you have a coffee table? Do you have TV trays? 
all right? If you have that and you've got a little bit of something you can share with someone else as far as food, guess what? You can be involved in moving people who once were foreigners into being a part of God's family just through hospitality because it makes people that are strangers turn into family. Maybe it looks like this. Isn't that the kind of world you want to live in? Are you with me? And if it is, let me just challenge this. Let's be the change. Let's be the change that we want to see. We're going to enter a time called communion. Oftentimes, communion is also referred to as the Lord's Supper. And it's this experience where literally, on a weekly basis at least, that God invites you to his dining room table. In a moment, the usher's gonna come and they're gonna uh, pass out a piece of bread. I want you to take that piece of bread. It's a reminder of the body of Christ. Just hold on to it. We're gonna take it together as a church family. They're also gonna pass out cups of juice. It's a reminder of the blood of Christ. Just hold on to that. Uh, we're gonna take it together as a church family. But here's what I'd like to do a little different this morning. As we come around the Lord's table, I want you to, as you hold those two elements, just kind of reflect and go, you know, as a follower of Jesus and a lover of God, as a part of God's family, who is it that he wants 
to have me invite around my dining room table? Who's that person at work? Who's that person at school? Who's that family in your neighborhood? Who's that person that's just kind of been on your mind that you know they're on the outside looking in? That you know with a simple act of hospitality could move them from being strangers to family? And I'm praying, this has been my prayer leading up to this talk, that God will reveal to every one of you at least one person, one family that you could begin to invite into your life, into your own, the dining room of your own life. So as the ushers come and they pass them out, hold on to those, we'll take it together. But I ask you, just prayerfully reflect, say, okay, God, who is it for me? Who is it for me?